What's up, guys? Max here, back with a brand new episode of the Scuttlebutt Show. Hope you're all doing great out there, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. I hope it's going great. Sunday night back in the United States, and today would be the 2022 Oscars, I believe. So if you're taking the time to watch me instead of what I'm sure is a very boring program on television. I appreciate it so much. What's up to everybody in the chat and everybody listening on the podcast and TikTok and wherever else you're coming here from. Iron Lotus, Harry Lime Pie starting the day off with a super chat. Thank you so much. Mudrock, what's up? MC dropping a $5 super chat right as the show starts. Thank you so much. That means the world to me. Buford, what's up? John, what's up? Welcome, everybody. It's going to be an awesome day and an awesome week here on the Scuttlebutt Show. First of all, last week, Let's talk about it. So we had a uh, Rob Sweetman on the show last week, Duncan Smith. What a week. It was absolutely spectacular. Spectacular. I had so much fun. I hope you guys enjoyed those episodes. Uh, thank you for tuning into those. This week, I think maybe tomorrow, I might try to stream to LinkedIn or whatever. Getting a new streaming platform set up is always uh, a little challenging and, and sure to have its fair share of complications, but we're going to try that out. I'm looking to get starting uh, streaming on LinkedIn, which I love. So if you guys don't already have a LinkedIn account, especially if you're a veteran, you should be getting that free premium LinkedIn account and you guys can come check that out when we do that. And this Wednesday, my time out here in Okinawa and Tuesday back in the United States is going to be Q&A with, uh, with viewer call in again via Zoom. And that's because we're taking a, we decided to take a little vacation. So my time Thursday, Friday, and all of next week, I'll be out of the office in, uh, in mainland Japan. But I do plan on creating some content while I'm up there for you guys, maybe a couple live streams. So stay tuned for updates on that. But just announcing some blackout dates there. And about today's show, I have an awesome show for you guys. I have an absolutely awesome show. Buford says, did you get an American cheeseburger yet? If so, from where? Uh, just so you guys know, I am still in, I'm still in, Oak. I have not moved. I must have said something that uh, we're getting ready to move. We're prepping to move in the summer in July. If I, if I said something and made everyone think that I was moving back to San Diego uh, two weeks ago, I want to apologize. Um, that is not what happened. We're moving back in July and I'm going to be stopping at every Mexican restaurant on the way from the airport to wherever we're staying to get some burritos. I miss me a California burrito, carne asada, crispy French fries, guacamole, hot sauce. Ooh, I cannot wait. Cannot wait. So, guys, I thought, you know, let me start to let me start start the show off with this. So, I thought you guys might want to know this. You might have a friend or family member who's going to Marine Corps boot camp, somebody who's joining up to go be a devil dog, to go through the crucible, all that stuff. If you've been a longtime viewer of this show, you remember Rambo. I don't know what he's doing right now, probably in some training or whatever. Rambo was a, a poolie getting ready to go to boot camp at MCRD Lejeune or whatever they call that boot camp, uh, Paris, Paris Island, I mean. So he went to Paris Island East Coast boot camp, and we as a, as a YouTube channel, as a community said, we're going to send him uh, some letters. We're going to write him some letters while he's in boot camp and, uh, and support him. And I learned from him, because I guess when he got there, he uh, sent out some, um, put, put me on, a, on an email list. And I learned about this. So how does Sandbox work? Sandbox is how you can now send letters and other stuff to people who are in boot camp in the Marine Corps. So the article here is from Sandbox's website. And then, I, and then I, this is going somewhere, okay? So I'm going to show you guys some stuff from Sandbox here in a minute. 
As parents, family, and friends of a current or future service member facing the biggest challenge of their life, we know how important it is for you to stay connected with your new recruit throughout boot camp deployments and beyond. Or do you, Sandbox? Or do you? We're going to talk about it here in a second. Developed by veterans, Sandbox is a mobile and web app that provides a quick and convenient way for friends and family to send letters to their recruit in training. So before I uh, before I go further into this, so you write your letter on the website. We did this together as a, as a group here on a live stream, actually, on the show. And then we sent that out, and we also got the, uh, for a few extra bucks, we were able to go send weekly, weekly motivational letters out to Rambo in Paris Island. Now, here's where Sandbox kind of dropped the ball, and I think you guys are going to want to know this. So, Rambo, he had some issues in boot camp, right? He got held back. He was there for over six months trying to get through boot camp. He never gave up and he made it, but he did have some issues. He got held up. I'm not sure if Sandbox has the ability to get these letters to recruits if they go through some kind of unusual circumstances while they're there. For example, he was in like a holding unit, a medical hold unit. He wasn't getting our letters. So I have started to get them as return to sender mail. I don't even know if he ever got our actual letter that we wrote, like our, our choice words that we put together for him. So what I have here is one of the motivational uh, messages that Sandbox has. So it says, send your recruit letters of affirmation every week to motivate them to, uh, to complete recruit training and become a great Marine. And here is one of them. And you guys can tell me what you think about this. So this one right here, uh, it's just a regular sheet of printer paper with a not especially high resolution photo of an Osprey here from Sandbox. This is from September 2021. I just got it in the mail out here as a return to sender out here in Okinawa. And it says, this is what you've trained for. Show them what you've got. And I couldn't help but think of Rick and Morty. Show me what you've got. Like, this is supposed to motivate your recruit. I mean, they're doing something. It's not nothing, uh, but I felt like this did not necessarily live up to the expectation that I had for words of affirmation. I thought it'd be a, maybe a little bit more thoughtful than this. I'm not sure. So if you guys are looking to send your recruit something with Sandbox and you're looking to use that service, I just need you to know, as now officially a user, the Scuttlebutt Show is now a user of Sandbox, I don't think those letters are going to make it if your recruit has to go through some kind of extraordinary circumstances out there. If they get rolled out of their division, if they go to a holding unit, if they get sick or hurt, I don't know. I'm not really sure what their capabilities are. So now you guys know, and you can leave me a comment if you've had success or failure with Sandbox getting messages out to your recruit in boot camp. Let me know. That was uh, shocking to get these in the mail. I don't know if I've shared some of these other ones that I've gotten with you guys, but I was pretty stunned to see this. Uh, this is what our our cash money bought us as far as letters of affirmation. I think that might've been 30 bucks for eight of those, 30 bucks for eight of those to send out to Rambo. And now I'm getting them. So I guess today I'm going to show you what I've got and what I've got for you guys today are some awesome, awesome stories from the military. Some sad, some bad, some good, some inspirational. We've got the whole gamut of stories on today's episode of the Scuttlebutt Show. It's going to be actually pretty cool, but let me start out with something this is uh this is breaking breaking news and I don't have a lot of information here but I want to get this story going so that way when we follow up on it when we get more information I can I, I can uh, have a good idea of what it is that we're actually um the, the timeline of events from initial reporting to finding out more information you guys know I like to get the early jump on these things so we've got 
Special Operations Soldiers Death Under Investigation. This is out of Fort Bragg. Mysterious circumstances here. U.S. Army Special Operations Command soldier, it says here, was pronounced dead on Saturday after being found unresponsive in his vehicle. He was found unresponsive inside of a parked vehicle, or actually it doesn't say if it was his vehicle. It just says inside of a vehicle in Fayetteville and immediately transported to Womack Army Medical Center on Fort Bragg where he was pronounced dead. So, uh, I wonder if he was like obviously deceased when he was discovered. Maybe, uh, you know, uh, it doesn't say what the, you know, the type of injury or, or cause of death was or anything like that. It does not release the soldier's identity, but after the next of kin is notified, there will be more information becoming available. So it doesn't say if this was some kind of criminal act, if this was maybe some kind of self-inflicted deal, or if this could have been natural causes or even a car accident or something like that. I don't know. It says a parked vehicle, but who knows? Um, when you have initial reporting like this, things do tend to change. So this is from the pilot, but it's being reported by multiple sources out there from uh, North Carolina. So we will follow up with this with more information, but right now that's the, uh, that's all that we've got. And, um, and when more becomes available, we'll see how that new information measures up with, uh, the initial reporting. And if anything changes from that, you always got to take breaking news with uh, a couple grains of salt there, a couple grains of salt. What's going on in the chat over here? Let's see. Hopefully no war breaks out, Buford says, as far as Rambo's concerned. Yeah, well, you know, I, uh, I wonder what the Marines think about that. I wonder if they would be gung-ho to, uh, to go get after it. John says, back in 2014 and 15, my wife would get my letters in chunks of three to seven. I remember um, in boot camp, I would get some letters from family, and it was always the best feeling in the world when mail gets called out on Sunday and you have something, one or two things, that was always very cool. I remember I got a couple things from my recruiter's office and then I got a couple things from uh, my, my dad. And that was, that was always nice. I did appreciate that. And then I would write letters and it's possible I haven't written a letter since boot camp, actually. So, you know, it's funny this morning. Um, I, I, I got over the weekend, I got Paramount plus streaming service on a seven day free trial because I want to watch Jackass forever. Oh my God. So funny. Have you guys seen Jackass forever? Hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Um, you can tell that they're getting a little older. Maybe, I don't know if they've lost uh, a, a little, a little edge. I'm not sure. You know, I know most of those guys are sober now. It's very different. They're 10 years older from the, you know, for last movie that they did and they're 20 something years older from when their show premiered on MTV, but they still are freaking hilarious. It was so funny. I would love to hear what you guys think about that in the uh, comment section, but why am I talking about Jackass Forever? Well, I'm talking about Paramount Plus because this morning I actually watched the first episode of SEAL Team, and maybe I'll uh, I'll make that one of my guilty pleasure shows to watch David Boreanaz leave, uh, lead a SEAL team. There was definitely some nods to like Navy SEALs, Charlie Sheen movie, as we now are very familiar with after talking with Duncan Smith. Um, I think there was some nods to that in the very first episode for sure, and um, and I think that that's really cool. But watching Navy SEALs uh, on, on, this, on the show SEAL Team this morning made me think that it's pretty unusual. It's pretty uncommon for C you to hear about SEALs, you know, losing. You don't hear a lot of SEALs losing at things. That's pretty uncommon. But here, I've got an update on something ongoing that uh, is not good news. Not good news for the Navy SEAL community, and I've got some thoughts on it. So we've got... Supreme Court gives Biden a win for now in the Navy vaccine case, basically saying that they could send SEALs back to the fleet. And 
take their trident away. What do you guys think about that? So this is, uh, of course, in, in regards to the vaccine. Navy SEALs have taken this to the Supreme Court, the highest court in the land, to see if they are able to avoid having to get uh, you know, the vaccine. The Supreme Court is giving the Navy a freer hand determining what job assignments it gives to 35 sailors who refused on religious grounds to comply and get vaccinated. So, of course, their claim, and I want to be totally uh, clear about this and fair, is that they feel like this vaccine is a uh, violation of their religious freedom to abstain from getting it. They think that based on their beliefs, they should be able to... Uh, to, to not get it, to abstain, to not comply lawfully. This made it after going through a, 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 a lawyer office, a firm in Texas, all the way up to the Supreme Court. I think it was First Liberty. I think it's in, in, the, in the article here. A high court in a brief over Friday order, a brief order Friday sided with the Biden administration and said that while the lawsuit plays out, the Navy may consider the sailors vaccination status in making deployment assignment and other operational decisions. The group that sued included includes mostly Navy SEALs. So the argument was that the non-compliant SEALs could have their trident stripped and be re-rated or reassigned jobs in the within the Navy while they're waiting to get uh, processed out or something like that. Now, that would be absolutely insane. But could you imagine you're on a ship and this new guy checks in as a bosun's mate or whatever, and he's a, he was a SEAL, and then he got sent over to you to, be a, to, to just work in the deck department? Whoa, that would be insane. Just as Brett Kavanaugh wrote that there was a simple overarching reason that he agreed with the court's decision. The Constitution makes the president, not any federal judge, the commander-in-chief of the armed forces, he wrote, noting that courts have been traditionally reluctant to intrude upon the authority of the executive in military and national security affairs. Of course, a good court of justices will look at precedents set in the court and assess on the prior examinations of the law. The president is the commander-in-chief. It is tough to argue that, I'm sure. So they came up with uh, upholding that the Biden administration or any president, remember this goes into the future too as a ruling, that any president does have the over authority on the military. Three conservative justices, Clarence Thomas, Samuel Alito, and Neil Gorsuch, noted that they did disagree with their colleagues' decision and would have sided with the group of SEALs. Interesting. So there was dissent within the court as well. Alito wrote that his colleagues were rubber stamping the government's request. These individuals appear to have been treated shabbily by the Navy and the court brushes all that aside. So they're saying that uh, the court should not be concerned with the treatment of the individuals up to this point. I don't know. I'm not I'm not, you know, smart enough on law to know whether or not any of those things have a place in the Supreme Court's decision. Uh, I trust I guess that they are doing their best job with uh, with what they believe to be the um, application of the law. A federal judge in Texas in January issued a preliminary injunction barring the Navy from acting against these sailors. The Biden administration said it was not asking the Supreme Court to block parts of the lower court order barring the sailors from being disciplined or discharged, but only the requirement that their assignments be made without considering their vaccination status. That requirement posed intolerable risks to safety and mission success. I don't know about that. Navy personnel routinely operate for extended periods of time in confined spaces that are ripe breeding grounds for respiratory illnesses where mitigation measures such as distancing are impractical or impossible. A SEAL who falls ill not only cannot complete his or her own mission, but risks infecting others as well, particularly in close quarters, including on submarines. That's from the Biden administration lawyers. Uh, yeah, okay. I've seen people work 
pretty sick. Uh, I I don't necessarily agree this is going to be largely politicized for sure, um, but I don't know if I necessarily agree that anybody's religious freedoms are being violated either. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have really strong feelings either way, but of course, it's laughable. It's obviously dishonest to say that the threat of active duty Navy SEALs contracting uh, the, you know, the virus is going to make them mission non-capable. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's truly laughable. Lawyers for the group of sailors that sued had argued that the Navy had granted hundreds of non-religious exemptions. Exemptions. They said that in asking the high court to allow vaccine status to be considered, the Navy was seeking license to engage in hostile tactics designed to coerce plaintiffs into disregarding their religious beliefs. Lower courts had denied the Biden administration's plea to be allowed to consider vaccination status. That includes a federal judge in Texas, Reed O'Connor, who was nominated by former President George W. Bush and a three-judge panel of the 5th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. Two of those judges were appointees of the former President Trump, while the third was appointed by former President Ronald Reagan. So what do you guys think? What do you guys think? Does this group of Navy SEALs have a unique circumstance because of their extra high-risk, high-priority uh, mission that they cannot be granted uh, any sort of ma uh, uh, exemptions or delays or anything like that. And in the meantime, is it the right decision to reassign them to non-operational units or potentially strip them their trident? Is any of this worth it? Does any of this make any sense? Leave me a comment. I would love to hear your thoughts on it. So the comments already say this is despicable. This is infuriating. Yes, if you're physically fit, take care of your health, have a great immune system like the SEALs have, then COVID isn't an issue. You know, the, I, I basically 100% uh, agree with that. I don't think that there is, I don't know, I don't know, but I have not heard personally, being well-connected within that community, of anybody, uh, of if there being any issues with COVID um, sickness within the teams affecting any anybody before the vaccine became available. And so... Um, other than, uh, other than, than, um, quarantining, uh, based on the mandates, I have not heard of any other issues with that. So it is, uh, it is wild to think that there are so many people armchair quarterbacking this thing, t telling the SEAL teams what they should do. Um, it's insane. It really does drive me kind of crazy. So let me know what you guys think about all that in the comments. You know, SEALs have no shortage of heroics, uh, heroic achievements associated with their history, with their name, with their emblem, their insignia on their chest. Many SEALs have been awarded medals of honor for heroism, acts of valor on the battlefield. And throughout all the branches of service and throughout all of the American military history, there have been many, medal, many medals of honor awarded. And whenever you read a medal of honor citation, it if you can't help you get the goosebumps, you get that feeling of inspiration. And often it's tragic. I mean, tragic stories of people who laid it all out there on the worst day of their life for love of their fellow, you know, brothers in arms. And here is how America plans to pay tribute to Medal of Honor recipients going forward into the future. New museum to honor Medal of Honor recipients. So you can go visit this and be 
embraced by the heroism of all of these soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines, coast guards, people, guardsmen um, who have earned the Medal of Honor and earned a spot in this museum. So, I don't know, I have like an itch on my face or something. The national, I keep scratching my, if you listen on a podcast, I keep like scratching my face. I don't know, I feel like I have a hair on my face or something. The National Medal of Honor Museum will enshrine the stories of Medal of Honor recipients for future generations, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff Mark Milley said at the groundbreaking ceremony in Arlington, Texas. According to the museum, the facility is slated to open in late 2024. Since 1861, when the Medal of Honor was established, 3,500 and 20 soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines, and coast guardsmen have been awarded the nation's highest award for valor. Their stories will now live in the Dallas Area Museum, Millie said. Visitors will come to understand the meaning and price of freedom. The museum will also include an education center. Millie said that he hoped the recipient's stories of valor will inspire the nation's youth and motivate them to be their best. The chairman provided some examples of those who received the medal, including... This unbelievable tale, I'm going to read this as it is in the article, this unbelievable tale of heroism during the Vietnam War. Retired Army Major General Pat Brady served as an ambulance helicopter pilot during the Vietnam War. He volunteered to rescue wounded men from a site in enemy-held territory that was reported to be heavily defended and blanketed by fog. To reach the site, Brady descended through heavy fog and smoke while hovering slowly along a valley trail, turning his helicopter sideward to blow away the fog with the backwash from his rotor blades. Despite the unchallenged close-range enemy fire, he found the dangerously small site where he successfully landed and evacuated two badly wounded South Vietnamese soldiers. He did all of that for South Vietnamese soldiers. He was then called to another area completely covered by dense fog where U.S. casualties lay only 50 meters from the enemy. Two aircraft had previously been shot down and others had made unsuccessful attempts to reach the site earlier in the day. With unmatched skill and extraordinary courage, Brady made four flights to this embattled landing zone and successfully rescued all the wounded after other helicopters had been shot down. On his third mission of the day, Brady once again landed at a site surrounded by the enemy. The friendly ground force pinned down by enemy fire had been unable to reach and secure the landing zone. Although his aircraft had been badly damaged and his controls were partially shot away during his initial entry into the area, he returned minutes later and rescued the remaining injured. Shortly afterward, obtaining a replacement aircraft, getting in another aircraft, Brady was requested to land in an enemy minefield where a platoon of U.S. soldiers were trapped. A mine detonated nearby, wounding two crew members and damaging his helicopter. Despite this, he managed to fly six severely injured patients to medical aid. Throughout the day, Brady used three helicopters to evacuate 51 seriously wounded men, many of whom would have perished without prompt medical treatment, according to his medal citation. Oh, my God. That is insane. Uh, in one day, three helicopters, many combat runs, 51 evacuees. It's unbelievable. It's it's really crazy uh, to think that somebody went through that. And that is that is a nightmare to, to go through that. That is just, you know, terror, pain, violence, gore. Um, to go back again and again and again is a very conscious decision to ignore your survival instinct uh, and put yourself in that situation. Probably a combination of you know, you're doing it because it's truly selfless sacrifice. And then two is, you know, I must go do it. This idea that you must go do it because there's people out there that need you. And that is greater than a, a mission greater than yourself. And so many times that can inspire people to go, you know, 
do things like this. Um, but it's incredible. And I would love to go visit this museum and learn about hundreds, thousands more uh, examples like that and see pieces of history. I'm sure they'll have, you know, memorabilia from the battlefield um, and and more. I, I, I hope it's, you know, comes out you know, meets everybody's expectations. And, uh, and I would love to get over there when it, when it becomes a thing. So let me know if you guys want to go over there. Would you guys want to go visit that thing? There, Millie at the event told stories of the 15 Medal of Honor recipients who attended the groundbreaking as well as others not present. Why did they do it? They did it for each other. They did it for their teammates, but they also did it for you and I and for a document called the Constitution, which is the North Star for all of us in uniform, Millie said. Every single one of us in uniform is willing to die for that idea referring to the Constitution and the freedoms it provides every American. So let me know what you think about that. Do you ever go online to maybe a website that has Medal of Honor citations and check those out? If you don't, I think that you should probably go do it. On the Navy Times, Army Times, they have the Hall of Valor. You can go read Medal of Honor citations chronologically. Maybe spend 20 minutes doing that, and you'll be uh, I think you'll find yourself quite inspired. So that's something you can go do today. Let's see, let's see. Bravo Zulu for the Medal of Honor Museum. Yeah, MC says Friday the 25th was National Medal of Honor Remembrance Day. Looking forward to see this museum come to life. Amazing. Buford says my best friend's dad was a Huey pilot in Vietnam. He lost half his calf muscle during a mission, shot through the bottom of the chopper. Those choppers have almost no armor, yeah. Harry Lyon Pie says this guy's a true hero. Buford says that story is amazing. Yes, yes, absolutely. Ancient Neophyte, what's up? Voyager, what's up? Everybody who I haven't checked in with in the chat since we've started, welcome. It's great to see you. It's funny to go from uh, medals of honor stories to this next thing. It's like the opposite of a medal of honor. Um, I don't know if you would put this into the category of stolen valor. I don't know how far that extends. I'm not really sure. But I do have somebody here who's uh, going on the no-no list, going on the naughty list, getting coal for Christmas this year, I suppose, because someone, some one of our nation's finest, right, who is supposed to be an upholder of the law, has now used the military to break quite a few of them. We've got Florida police officer arrested for pretending to be on a military assignment. Like, what? We've got a wild one here. A Delray Beach police officer has been arrested on official misconduct and grand theft charges. That's, I believe, felony theft. After a Florida Department of Law Enforcement investigation found she lied on her timesheets when she claimed she had to miss work because of military leave when, in fact, she wasn't. So we're talking about payroll fraud. Jacaria Stringer, 25, of Rivera Beach, turned herself in on Tuesday. Turned herself in. Wow. The state law enforcement agency began its investigation in September at the request of the Delray Beach Police Department after people there questioned the accuracy of several of Stringer's timesheets. Interesting, interesting. Agents say Stringer claimed to be on military leave for 21 days. Everyone knows it's one week in a month, two weeks a year. From March 2020 to August 2021. But after investigation, they found she did not actually attend military training on the days listed. Oh, no, no, no. Tisk, tisk, tisk. It says, Gretel Plessinger, a spokeswoman for the state law enforcement agency, said Stringer had previously served in the U.S. Army Reserves, but was separated because of unexcused absences from the required training. So this is the old, uh, you know, hey, I'm going to tell my mom I'm sleeping at Stacy's house. Stacy's going to tell her mom she's sleeping at Laura's house, and we're actually smoking cigarettes in the park. That's what's going on here. 
Stringer was paid more than $6,500 for time she claimed to be on military leave. I mean, that's chump change for some of these other stories that we've covered. Agents found that she falsified at least 21 Delray Beach Police Department timesheets. Stringer was hired on February 3rd, 2020, and has been on paid administrative leave since September 18th, 2021. According to the Delray Beach Police Department, her annual salary is $55,000. So she made about, you know, over 10% of her annual salary additionally just on a on timesheet payroll scam. The police department's internal investigation of Officer Stringer has been halted pending the outcome of the criminal investigation from the state attorney's office. Once that investigation has concluded, the administrative investigation will proceed. So she'll probably be fired and found guilty of crimes. It's a it's a lose lose. It's definitely a double lose there. And uh, and you know basically don't use your military service to scam because you're you're really doing a disservice to all the other people who are actually needing to get that time away from work to go make their duty complete to the National Guard or the reserves or whatever they're in. It's hard enough. We just had another story about another police officer who was on actual orders and then they tried to fire him from the police department. It's a tough position to be in. If you're in the military reserves or the National Guard or whatever and you have an actual full-time civilian job and you need to go on orders, that job by law cannot fire you. Service Member Civil Relief Act, I believe, covers that. And so you cannot be fired from your job for being absent from work due to being placed on military orders for the reserves of the Guard. But, you know, I'm sure that employers find workarounds for that. They find their own way to scam the system and they go, well, you know, also this person does kind of have a record of being tardy or they don't follow policy or dress code. And, you know, I have to keep them on my payroll when they're gone for months at a time. So I'm trying to get rid of them. So I'm looking for every excuse. Then they hear this. Somebody hears this and they go, I'm just not even going to hire somebody who's in the National Guard or the Reserves even though there's, you know, benefits for companies hiring people like that. I'm just not even going to do it because it's not worth it because they're scamming anyway. So it's total bad lose-lose on every front. Let me know what you guys think about that in the comments. I would love to hear your thoughts. Love to hear your thoughts. I do love to hear your thoughts. I am totally overjoyed when I get comments and letters and all that stuff. Totally, totally enjoy that. So please let me know your thoughts in the comments down below. Another... Got a bad boy on this next one. Got a bad boy on this next one. A couple bad boys coming up. So we've got... Uh, frequent, we frequently have stories about, you know, bad inappropriate relationships between seniors and subordinates, um, domestic stuff, which we have coming up today too. We have uh, SA, sexual assault stuff, uh, harassment, stalking, cyber bullying, harassment, whatever. And, uh, and this next guy is just like, I mean, he ran the gamut. So let's talk about it. Air Force Chief Master Sergeant, a.k.a. an E-9, convicted of dereliction of duty for distributing sexually explicit photos and other charges. And we're going to go through a list of the charges. It's uh, pretty much no joke. So <laughs> this guy has... This guy's service record is insane and we're going to talk about it. you guys won't believe some of the stuff in here an airman with the highest enlisted rank in the air force and a decorated service record pled guilty last month to dereliction of duty and failure to obey an order or regulation chief master sergeant jamie core was found guilty during a special court martial at a deployed location in the middle east of south or southwest asia according to an air force judge advocate general's legal docket i guess they're not sure maybe opsec stuff going on here 
Wait till you guys hear some of the stuff this guy's been through. It's like, maybe this is an Icarus-type story, you know, flew too close to the sun type thing. The trial was completed February 15th, and a screenshot of the trial results was posted to the popular Facebook page, Air Force Airmen NCO, SNCO, on Tuesday. If you guys don't follow that page, they do post interesting stuff. Core was sentenced to 40 days confinement. Not a crazy sentence there. Forfeiture of $2,900 in pay for one month, a three-rank reduction to tech sergeant or E6, and a reprimand. It's going to be the end of his career for sure. Core's charge, she'd accused him of 11 violations of Article 92, failure to obey an order regulation. It's like the catch-all. The alleged violations, which took place between July 1st and December 17th, 2021, so basically in a roughly five-month window, six-month window, in the Middle East or Southwest Asia are summarized below. Here we go. Here's his rap sheet. Two instances of willfully failed to refrain from sexually harassing somebody's name redacted as it was his duty to do. Three instances of willfully failed to refrain from pursuing an unprofessional relationship with redacted as it was his duty to do. Two instances of wrongfully distributing alcoholic beverages to redacted, wrongfully manufacturing and distributing sexually explicit photographs without authorization, unwanted uh, D-pics. Wrongfully possessing pornographic magazines. It's nudie magazine day. Come on. Wrongfully consuming an alcoholic beverage. Wrongfully possessing alcoholic beverages. I mean, let a guy have his adult magazines at least. Of the 11 violations, the two involving sexual harassment and one of the instances of pursuing an unprofessional relationship were withdrawn and dismissed at trial. But that means that there were several others that were that held up. Um, ever since 1990, when U.S. troops arrived in the Middle East in mass for Operation Desert Shield and Desert Storm, alcohol and pornography have been forbidden for troops in the CENTCOM area of responsibility, which I do remember that being true, but like, yeah, right. Adhering to restrictions upon such activities is essential to preserve United States host nation relations. In addition, the high operational tempo or op tempo, you might hear it called, combined with often hazardous duty makes it prudent to restrict certain activities in order to maintain good order and discipline. According to the Air Force, the court-martial took place at a deployed location under the 386th Air Expeditionary Wing, which is located in Ali Asalim in Kuwait. I guess Kuwait, they do take that stuff pretty seriously, actually. The court ruling is an ignominious turn for Corps who was several po- who has several positive headlines associated with his Air Force career. Get this. Get this. This guy had it going on until this. He was the senior non-commissioned officer of the 2012 fiscal year by the Delaware Air National Guard. He was handpicked and certified by squadron leadership to become one of seven such instructors as a flight engineer instructor. In 2014, listen to this. In 2014, this guy, Core, was honored by the Port Authority Police of New York in New Jersey for helping chase down a violent fugitive wanted in a three-state rampage. I read this earlier, and I was like, what? When the fugitive rammed the Port Authority police car trying to stop him, Core drove up, gave the officers a ride, and chased after him until the fugitive crashed into his second police car. He probably rolled up, rolled down the window, and goes, I'm in the Air Force. Get in. I like to go fast. Master Sergeant Corps' actions were not only selfless and courageous, but consistent with the core values of the United States Air Force and an exemplary reflection on our nation's military, said Paul Nunziato, president of the Port Authority Police Benevolent Association, in a statement at that time. So, you know, this is uh, th- this conviction was just a few weeks before military sexual trauma survivor blasted the Air Force and social media after the service secretary, Frank Kendall, revealed that the senior enlisted airman convicted of abusing her would be allowed to retire. We talked about that story recently. Um, there are many 
cases like this that we've talked about recently um, with the military and sexual harassment, sexual assault, and why is it that officers and senior leaders get to continue on and retire and have a good old deal and then you know, junior people make a little mistake, like, you know, getting pulled over on base and they get administratively kicked out of the military. What does that really say to the victim when you do something like that too? It's crazy. Um, it, it's really, uh, it's, it's really out of control with the military justice system and the way that that stuff goes. Sometimes it can be quite upsetting too. And, uh, and I always feel for the victims in those situations, you know, how can you take the side of the perpetrator? It's, it's unthinkable, but it's something we see more and more and more. And I don't know how rank in the military, uh, it's like, you don't have to do that. The military doesn't have to, there's no, you know, higher ranking people. They don't really have, they're not like wealthy. They're not influential within the military justice system. They're, they're out of rate on that kind of thing. Like it's not their lane. I don't really get it. I don't understand where the motivation is to protect senior officers and senior enlisted from, uh, from, punishment in these cases. I don't understand the motivation. Just get it together. Do the right thing. You know, if some, if th somebody did it, if they're guilty and there's evidence and it's substantiated and it's real and they're found guilty by a jury of their peers, punish them. What is the problem? It's like, it's almost like, I don't know. It sounds almost conspiratorial to say, but there are days where it just feels like we're trying to fail. You know what I mean? Like the government's just trying to fail, trying to undermine trust in themselves, trying to destroy morale, trying to subvert their own leaders. Authority. I don't know. That's how it feels sometimes. Is that how it feels? You guys let me know in the comments if that's how it feels to you. Harry Line Pie says, had it all and blew it. Yep. Never send D pics. Buford says, yep. John says, why do senior military NCOs get a slap on the wrist? This dude should be reduced to E1 with dishonorable. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, and I don't know if you guys remember this. We're, I'm going to roll right into the next story today too. Uh, and then we got a fun one to, to wrap up with. I don't know if you guys remember this a little while ago. Um, we had a story about a, we had, a, we had a story about a, uh, Sergeant major, um, who attacked his wife and beat her up and like stomped on her in the yard and got busted and, do you guys remember this? Um, it's a really disturbing story. And we covered it when it happened. But now we have the outcome. And so let's see how this stacks up as far as military justice stuff goes. Special Forces Sergeant Major gets one year sentence, busted in rank for domestic violence. So he got some punishment here. Let's talk about it. A Special Forces Sergeant Major, former member of the Army Special Operations Command, Parachute team was convicted of domestic violence and endangerment at Fort Bragg, a North Carolina general court martial earlier this month uh, decided. According to court documents, Travis Alfred, Sar Command Sergeant Major Tra Travis Alfred, was convicted of firing a gun, choking his then wife, and threatening to kill her in a November 2019 attack. A senior Special Forces NCO was sentenced, the senior Special Forces NCO, was sentenced to one year of confinement and reduced in rank to Sergeant First Class. That's an E7. Both the conviction and sentencing were done by a mixed panel of officers and sergeant majors because you have to pe have people of your rank or higher at a court martial, I think. 
for sentencing. Our command expects our soldiers to maintain the high standards demanded by service in the Army Special Operations Forces community, and we take all allegations of misconduct seriously. In this case, after fair and impartial court-martial proceedings, a senior non-commissioned officer was held accountable for his actions by a panel of officers and fellow senior NCOs. That's from 1st uh, SF Command spokesperson Major Dan Lissard. But, and this is a major but, a major but, Alfred does not face punitive discharge, and it's not clear if he will be eligible for retirement after he is released from confinement. His charge sheet, which Army officials provided to Army Times last year, indicated that his current term of service began in 2006. So he'll be out of jail in 2023, I guess. Public records indicate that Alfred is 46, and it's unclear whether he served in another branch of the military or had a previous Army stint before his current term of service. So he, that means he would have joined probably you know, in his late 20s. If my uh, quick math is correct there, um, 20 or 30. I guess he would have been 30 uh, when he joined, 29 or 30. A military attorney listed for Alfred did not respond to email for comment. The panel acquitted the senior NCO of charges that he made two other threats to kill his then wife, in addition to charges that he beat her with a broom and choked her in September 2019, accusations that he assaulted her on November 11, 2019. So some of these were dismissed. In addition to the military charges, he has a pending assault charge in Moore County, North Carolina, linked to an alleged attack on a neighbor last November. So, you know, I think it's important to consider here that this wasn't a one-time thing. He actually attacked a neighbor as well, which he has another hearing for on April 1st. So he could be getting another punishment. And if he gets found guilty of that, then the military could use that against him too. And he's also he also had a... Uh, uh, a mental capacity hearing to determine that he was okay to stand trial. So he has multiple charges, multiple, he might, he potentially is going to have multiple convictions. Do you guys think this guy should be able to remain in the army or not? Or what do you think should happen? I don't know how to, how do you proceed with this? Cause when you hear a special forces soldier, you think, Oh man, he's got to have PTSD. He's got to be traumatized from his military uh, career and all that stuff. But that's not necessarily true. That doesn't necessarily mean he has permission to go do this kind of stuff. Attack neighbor, beat his wife, you know, it's, uh, you hate to see somebody go down like this. You hate to see that for the family and everything like that, but what are you going to do? You got to hold somebody, you got to hold people accountable for their actions. You're telling me that this guy at some point in his life, maybe he's changed, but you're telling me at some point in this guy's life, he wouldn't have wanted to see his future self held accountable for this. You don't think there was a time in this guy's otherwise honorable career that he would have said, Hey, if I ever do that, I want my feet held to the fire. I want to be held accountable for my actions. I find that hard to believe. So what do you guys think should happen? Let me know in the comments down below. I think, uh, I think it's, a, of course, a tough one. It's, of course, tricky. Tricky, icky, icky uh, to, to proceed because you don't want to, you don't want to, you know, take somebody who made it all the way up to the top of their career, kind of like the chief master sergeant in the last story. Part of you does hate to see, you know, somebody um, turn like that. Somebody who was doing so good, you hate to see him turn and go down like that. It's hard to look him in the eye. If you've ever known somebody, a, a, a real buddy of yours in the military, a real friend who then got in trouble and got kicked out or something like that happened, man, it's hard to even look at him in the face because you know everything that they're losing. And maybe you know them and you know when they were good, you know good things that they've done, you know who they really are. And then you go, damn, that's tough. Or maybe somebody knows that guy and they go, had it coming. Should have happened a long time ago. It could go either way. I could see it either way. 
Wow, that domestic violence story sounds like a story in a graphic novel, Hellblazer, John Constantine comic. Interesting. Give him a thorough evaluation and let him go if he is found to be damaged. I worry about his present and future supportiveness as well. Yeah. I need more info before giving an opinion, Buford says. I was reading this Special Forces article over the weekend. Proves my point on my last comment, which was, why do senior military NCOs get a slap on the wrist? Yeah, good point. I had an LPO almost kill my best bud due to pride. He's still in, Corporal says. Oh, man, Corporal, that's such a bummer. I've seen stuff like that, too. It is crazy. I mean, did police get involved? Did something happen? Because you, you always, it always matters if, uh, depending on, on who ends up getting involved. BZ Tommy, what's up? Welcome, welcome, welcome to the chat. It's great to see you. Um, last story of today is an interesting one. I almost wasn't going to talk about it, but I know everyone liked that story about the troops in Kosovo last week and how they came in fifth in that uh, in that fitness competition out there in Kosovo. But when I saw this. Yeah, I, at first I was like, ah, it's a little story, whatever. But then I saw something in this article that I had to tell you guys about. And so let's talk about it. Fort Bragg team wins Army Special Operations Sniper Contest. French team comes in second, but it's the rest of the rankings you're going to want to stick around for. Let me tell you that. So Fort Bragg team defended its hometown title at the U.S. Army Special Operations Command International Sniper Competition, which finished on Friday, March 25th, while a team from the first French SAS beat every other American team in the contest to finish second. Let me thank uh, Coffee or Die magazine for this article. 21 teams from across the military, U.S. law enforcement, and allied armies began the competition on Sunday, which pitted competitors in 23 events over four days of shooting. Firing roughly 30,000 rounds, the teams ran through events that measured long-distance accuracy, team communication, moving and firing, shot priority drills, combat fitness. The events covered long-range rifles, carbines, and pistols. That's what's up. In final scores, a team from Army Special Operations Command, the defending champions, was back on top. The French SAS finished second, the Army National Guard's 20th Special Forces Group third, and instructors from the Marine Corps' Advanced Sniper Corps fourth. But let's talk about the rest of the teams in this thing. Because I think you guys might find that at the very bottom of the list is someone that's going to probably disappoint you a little bit, okay? So, by the way, congratulations to the Army for winning this competition. U.S. Army Special Operations Command, hell yeah, bravo Zulu, great job. First French SAS, hey, shout out to you guys. Bravo Zulu to you too, good job. In third place, drum roll please, 20th Special Forces Group. In fourth place, USMC Marine Advanced Sniper Course. Oh my gosh, got an advertisement on the screen. In fifth place, Germany SKS. In sixth place, First Special Warfare Training Group. In seventh place, the SFG. Seventh SFG came in seventh. I mean, how perfect is that? In eighth, Switzerland, Army Reconnaissance Debt 10. In ninth is the 10th SFG. In 10th is the first SFG. In 11th, the 75th Rangers. In 12th, the third SFG. In 13th place, the U.S. Coast Guard. In 14th, the Netherlands. In 15th, the 19th F... F the, <laughs> whoa. In 15th, the 19th SFG. In 16th place, SEAL Team 1. Whoa. In 16th place, SEAL Team 1. In 17th place, Naval Special Warfare Advanced Training Command. In 18th place, USMC 3rd Raider Battalion, and second to last, the United States Secret Service. Second to last, the people that defend our highest 
elected officials in all the land, second to last, only behind or in front of Italy, Italy's parachute team. <laughs> the only the only person they beat was Italy's parachutist assault regiment. I guess that's the only thing that they are shootist at is parachutist because they came in last place in the sniper competition. Boom, let's go. Let's go. Right off the top. I'm just making that up as I go. 19th place, U.S. Secret Service. 16th place, SEAL Team 1. 17, right behind them, Naval Special Warfare, ATC, and 17. How are the bottom five, everyone, everyone in the bottom five is American Special Operations, including Secret Services, like, you know, government special operations. They defend a the president. They do uh, financial stuff. And the only person in the top, in the bottom five that that uh, wasn't American was the Italy's Parachutist Assault Regiment. So how does that make you feel? Leave me a comment. What are your feelings? How do you really feel about that? That is, uh, that's our best of our best. That's the leaders of the military right there as far as, uh, you know, who we look up to. The SEALs, the Special Forces, the Marine Raiders. Uh, we've got mil other, you know, you know, decorated military units out there. So, and then, you know, RIP to Italy, I guess, for coming in last place. That's not good. That's, that's, that doesn't look good on the record. So, I guess, um, you know, I guess that's, that's how we got to end it right there. With uh, the Navy SEALs coming in near last place, taking another L today. Taking kind of another L today. I guess 16th and 17th places are not W's. Those are L's. And uh, and SEAL's losing in court too. So that's a sad day. But I will, as always, continue to bring you guys updates on all those stories. This week, guys, three episodes. Today, tomorrow, and the next day. Stay tuned for updates on where I'm going to be streaming tomorrow. Might be right here on YouTube. Might be on LinkedIn. And then Wednesday, my time. Tuesday, your guys' time. Call in. I'll be on Zoom. Live streaming. You guys can call in with any comments that you guys want to make. So... Please, uh, please join me. I really enjoyed that last time. It's going to be awesome. And then I'm taking another vacation up to mainland Japan before my wife and I get ready to leave Okinawa, leave Japan, probably for the foreseeable future. I don't know when we'll ever be able to come back here. It'll be a long time, probably. And I have some big stuff coming up for you guys as well, including the documentary is about to be done. We're going to do figure out how we're going to show you guys that. So with all that being said, Thank you, MC. Thank you, Harry Lion Pie. Thank you, everybody. Ed, Ancient Neophyte, Tommy, John, Corporal, uh, Buford, John, everybody in the chat. It's great to see you guys, as it always is. I really appreciate you being here with me. Instead of watching those stupid Oscars, who needs them? I'll be back tomorrow. Same scuttlebutt place, same scuttlebutt time. With all that being said, I look forward to talking to you guys very, very soon. For now, that's the scuttlebutt.